right, well, we are doing a few random things. And one thing I wanted to talk about was about baptism a little bit. Uh, I want to talk about what it means and in a larger sense, how it connects into uh, the idea of Christianity. Look at a few different things. So, what's baptism, first of all? Okay, it's a job that God gave us to do. And what do you do? It's like a visual representation of your sins being washed away. Okay, it is a visual representation. And we're going to see a little bit deeper what that is. Visual representation, in other words, when you go down in the water, this is the Red Sea, right? Down you go, right? And then when you come up, uh, something is represented there. The idea is that uh, something happened, right? Now, physically going under the water, yes. You go underwater and you get clean, right? It's like taking a bath, right? You go down and it washes away things. Uh, we went and cut wood yesterday. It was Natalia's favorite thing to do. <clears throat> and afterwards we were all sweaty and smelly and wood chips and dirt and covered in all sorts of things. And at that point you go into the water and you're hot and you're tired and you go in down in the pond and you can wash away the dirt and the sweat and the nasty and even a little of the tired, okay? But water itself doesn't really have, although it's an amazing substance, it doesn't have enough properties to wash away, right? It can wash away dirt, right? But that's really it, we know that. So let's look at um, Matthew 28, 18, to start with, Matthew 28, 18, because with this, we want to look at we want to look at the things that Jesus says about baptism. What he says about baptism is important, all right? And if there's anybody that knows exactly how things, sorry, that's just a little loud. I'll fight against it. Uh, if, if there's anybody that knows exactly how things work between the two worlds here, uh, heaven, and earth. The only, the only being between us and Jesus who have been to both heaven and earth is Jesus, right? We've never been to heaven. Jesus has crossed both 
thresholds and has the ability to go where he wants. Now, with that knowledge, his understanding of it is, is very important. And so what has he done? Matthew 28, verse 18, 19, and 20. Uh, I'll read 18, and then you guys read 19 and 20. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Matthew 28, 19 is next. All right, so this is called the Great Commission. And what's a sales commission? It's money that you get for selling the product. Okay, so we are told to go, and in not so many good terms, sell this product. That's not really the truth. We're not selling the product in that we're trying to make money for it. But God has said, You've experienced this. Now go and tell your friends about this experience. Because this experience with God is important. In fact, if there's one thing you get in this life, if you miss the experience with God directly, you have missed the entire point of life. And your experience with God can vary in a thousand different ways. He can send you different places. He can have you be a missionary in China or India. He could have you go alone to some place in the Arctic Circle. He could have you stay right home in your backyard. He could have you stuck in a wheelchair. He can have you be free and be a great Olympian. He can have you... Uh, be a wonderful artist or he can have you be a person who struggles just to say a word. And yet every person, regardless of their talents and skills and ability and location, has this great commission. Go into all the world and teach everybody, all nations. Tell all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. So this is your authority. Your authority comes from who? To do this. I'm going to teach and baptize. Where does my authority come from? Well, Yes. Okay, the Trinity. So every piece of the Trinity gives you the authority to do it. The, well, the Trinity, right? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit gives you the authority to go out and teach. And God says, I'm telling you, you go out and teach this and help people to understand and baptize them. All right, name of the Father and Son of the Holy Ghost. And if you do that, 
His promise is what? In the last verse there. So when do we quit? We don't quit, right? We either die or get taken away. If we're a believer, if we are a friend to God, we either get die or are taken away up into heaven, right? To be with God, and that's when our job is done. That's when this job is done. To go into the world, teach, and baptize. And you say, well, I'm not a teacher. Can you teach a small child? Can you teach by example a friend or even an enemy? The answer is yes. If you have a nasty person that you are supposed to serve, it's your job. Somebody that's not so nice. How can you teach someone else that yes you can act like God. I can have the fruits of the Spirit, right? Which are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I can have self-control when you scream at me and say, you didn't do any of this right and I can't believe it, and it may not even be your fault. But I can have self-control and say, let me try to fix that for you. That will diffuse situations unlike anything else. To act like God. Okay? God-like characteristics. And I don't mean be God like you're all great. But what I mean is have God-like characteristics. And that is teaching other people. You can live and do this. So you go into the world and teach and baptize. So there it is. Jesus said, like you said, here's a job. God says, here's a job. Baptize. Jesus himself said, go and teach and baptize. And I'm going to be with you because when I give you a hard commission like this to the very end, I promise I will not leave you. Even to the end of the world. So as time gets harder... And violence erupts more, which we see a little more. It's even come closer and closer to hometowns, right? In Batavia, these days that they're talking about things, okay? So, when violence begins to erupt, or the talk of violence, where there's threatenings and slaughter that comes out of people's mouths, and you look at those things, how am I going to react? Like God, same job I've always had. It's not some magical new job that God says, oh, now you change it. Nope, he said, this is what I told you to go do. You do this in every way possible. You do this to your brothers and sisters. You do this within your extended family. You do this to friends. You do this to neighbors. You do this to work folks. You do this to school. You do this to your enemies. There's no exception who you act like with love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Okay? Here's what you got to do. Right? Here's what you have to do. Now, so what is this? Yes, go and baptize people, which 
That seems like kind of a strange thing, right? Don't just, don't just teach him about God. Can't you just teach him about God? Isn't that enough? Is it enough to just teach people about God and not baptize them? That's a question, right? No, because God told me to do it. <laughs> okay, God told you to do it. Alright. So, what about, I'm going to make you think a little bit. What about if we were to turn to Luke, chapter number 23. going to skip along to Luke. You will uh, be around a little bit in the New Testament here. But Luke chapter number 23. This is with Jesus. He is on the cross. And I want you to listen. I'm going to read this passage for you here. I want you to listen very carefully. Jesus is on the cross and the malefactors are the thieves hanging next to him. And one of the malefactors, or one of the thieves, which were hanged, railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other thief answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss, or he's done nothing wrong. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto you, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. So, do you have to be baptized to go to heaven? Why not? Didn't Jesus say you have to go out and baptize people? We just read it. So yes, he did. <laughs> right. But what did he say there while he was on the cross? Did he say, wait a minute. Thief, I know you were close. You were so close. And if only you would have gotten baptized before you were nailed to this cross and confessed to me. You'd have been all set. What did he say? Hmm? Yeah. You're going to be with me today in paradise. You'll be there with me today. It'll be all over in a moment. When you die, and you will die, you'll be with me in paradise. So we find out that it's not necessary for your salvation. Just because things aren't necessary doesn't mean that it's not good. Alright? So, what is necessary for you to eat to stay alive? What could a human exist and live on? Potatoes, okay. Maybe potatoes. You could. Yes, you could. You could exist on potatoes. Bread and water. Bread and water. People have existed on bread and water. 
You can, you can exist on very little. People have existed on what they found out in nature. People have eaten bugs and existed on eating bugs. All right? You don't necessarily... Now, how many of you would go and eat bugs every day? But you could live on them. I'm telling you, you could live on them, right? So the point is this. Just because it is the minimum which you can survive on does not mean that that's the recommended diet, right? You don't have to live on bugs. God gave a great variety of things because there's a fuller experience eating ice cream <laughs> and steaks and salad and cheesecake. <laughs> so there's a fuller experience in life than there is just saying, well, I can survive on bugs because you can. A human can survive on eating bugs. People do it and have done it for some time. Different nomadic people have done it. And people surviving where they can't get an ice cream sandwich, right, survive. But God said there's a fuller experience to be understood, to be learned from, to be enjoyed. Right? And so here is, no, the thief on the cross did not get baptized. And yes, Jesus says, go teach people and baptize them. So be baptized is what he said. Be baptized. Why? Because there's something a little deeper about the understanding of life when you have that. Something deeper. Now let's keep looking. All right, let's keep looking. Same book, but just back 20 chapters or so. Luke chapter 3. I'm going to have you guys read Luke chapter 3, verse number 15, 16, 17, and 18. Luke chapter 3, verse 15, 16, 17, and 18, please. whose fan is in his hand, he will thoroughly purge his floor and he will gather the wheat into his garner, but the chaff he will burn with the fire unquenchable. Verse 18. 
exhortation. All right. This is John the Baptist, right? He is the precursor or the person that came before Christ. He is there to have one job. And his job is to say the Messiah is coming and then the Messiah is here. Look, there he is. Okay? That's, he is one person to proclaim it. Now, in preparation for that, he is talking to people and saying, repent and be baptized. And he baptized people right then and there. He took them, like we do in our church, took them to the water down in the river, in the Jordan River, and dunked them underneath, okay? And brought them back up. This is before Jesus really gets into his ministry. And he says, now I'm baptizing you with what? What am I baptizing you with? He says, but there's something bigger coming. Someone bigger coming. I, I'm not even unworthy. I'm not, I'm not worthy to untie his shoes. Now that's a pretty low job, right? If, you, if I come up and say, here, untie my shoe, right? In fact, I'm not even lifting it up to you. You get down and untie it, right? Nobody's going to jump and do that, right? And you might feel demeaned unless if you really uh, care for that person who you are untying their shoes. And it is not beyond us to do things like that. But he says, I'm not even unworthy to tie a shoe. I, I, am, I am unworthy to tie a shoe. Untie it. I can't even do that. Then later on, he sees Jesus coming down the walk. And he says to the crowd of people, Behold the Lamb of God. There he is. He brings him down in the water, and he says, I can't baptize you. You've got to baptize me. And he says, No, just let this be. You do what you're doing and come and baptize me. And so John the Baptist baptized Jesus Christ himself. But what he said about Jesus was there something different. He says, I baptize with water. But he is doing something else. And what does he have? Maybe verse 19, somewhere around there. Maybe 18. All right. The Holy Ghost, or God, the Spirit of God, and with fire. Jesus is going to come and he is going to baptize you with fire. Now what does fire do? Tell me about fire. It's hot. One time, Amy decided she was going to burn some brush. And she started a fire that we had out. And about 50 feet away, there was an old stump and trees and bark and kind of a big brambly area. The fire that she was burning was so hot, it jumped up and over and landed inside and started that whole area on fire too. Big area. And she was scared because 
all of a sudden, when fire takes hold, there's nothing you can do about it. They have out west, where they have big fires, you can see the smoke for miles and miles. They drop people down, smoke jumpers, down into the edge of the fire, and they dig trenches, and they do things where they're trying to stop the spread of the flames. Basically what they can do. They dump things on it, but it's so big and so hot that all it can do is kind of cool it down, and they hope it doesn't spread so fast. And it allows them to dig ditches where there's nothing left to burn. <clears throat> Sometimes when they're fighting those fires, the fire is working its way up and they're in the next valley. They're fighting those fires and that fire is burning, burning, burning. It comes up over the crest of that hill and the wind blows and it can flash over an entire valley in seconds. And smoke jumpers, those specialized firefighters who have gone and worked to try to put those things out, have been killed because that fire is so intense and so fast and so quick and it just consumes everything. So when, when John the Baptist says, Jesus is coming and he's going to baptize you in fire, surround you, consume you like a fire with the Spirit of God. He's going to burn things out of you. Alright? And what does fire do? If you've ever been back, and I've seen out west where things burn and change. I was at um, I was at Yellowstone Park many years ago when I was young and it had big woods and it had a lot of brush and underbrush and things and I don't remember it being particularly green necessarily but I remember being a lot of trees a lot of big trees okay and that was a long time ago there were big fires that burned in Yellowstone years after we visited, probably a few years after we visited, burned cabins down, burned sections, huge sections of woods. And we most recently went there a couple years ago. And when we went there, there were thousands and thousands. The road was lined with thousands and thousands of small trees, green small trees and grasses and things because fire when it burns out all of the old encumbrances, all the old rotting wood and all the old things, oftentimes makes way for new life. And that new life comes in and new growth is able to happen. And that's exactly what John the Baptist is saying Jesus will do. When he comes into your life, he may burn away old things. He may let that fire consume you. And fire is not pleasant to live through. But what will come on the other side is new growth. The fire of God, of the Spirit of God, if you let him in your life, he will change you. It won't be always pleasant every moment. 
you'll probably fight it. You'll probably not want to have it. I know I have fought it in my personal life, my struggles, my sins that I've wanted to hold on to, sometimes for years. I've struggled with sometimes the same thing again and again, and God has slowly worked and burned some of those things out of me to the point where he has shown me a new way and made new opportunities by burning away old things. It's been slow sometimes. Now sometimes it's fast, sometimes it's slow. All right? My stubbornness has been holding out for a long time on some things. And my stubbornness has only served to hold me back in areas. But God is patient and God brings fire and changes things. So we have this weird thing, this weird dichotomy, I'll call it, with water and fire. Water and fire in the Christian life. That's now been brought up. And Jesus himself, a couple verses down, verse 21. Now when all people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying that heaven was opened. The Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. And the voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. And Jesus himself began to be, well, then quit right there. So here it is. Jesus is baptized, and Jesus does everything with God's approval. All right? Jesus has the Spirit of God and the Father. So, so there it is, the Trinity again, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. On the day he gets baptized, shows up and says, this is my son. I love him, and he's doing it. Great job. This is just what he's here to do. Right? And so we see that Jesus himself got baptized. So, did Jesus need to wash away his sins? Didn't have any. Why did Jesus get baptized? If he didn't have any sins, why did he get baptized? Maybe he's showing us something more. Maybe he's trying to show us something a little bit more. All right, now let's turn to 1 Peter. We have a couple more spots we want to look at. 1 Peter, chapter 3. Way in the back before Revelation. 1 and 2 Peter, 1 and 2 3 John, Jude, and Revelation. 1 Peter chapter number 3, verse number 18, and this of course is written by Peter, 
All right, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 18, written by Peter about baptism. Now, here's an interesting thing, um, very different look at baptism. Verse number 18, uh, go ahead, Natalia, and we'll read around until we get through verse 22, please. Which sometime were disobedient, when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. Conscience. So this is strange. Peter is talking about baptism, right? He's talking about baptism. First he says, Here, here's this baptism thing, all right? And then he goes off into this weird, strange sidebar. He starts talking about Noah's Ark. Now what happened with Noah's Ark? Let's get that very clear, right? You guys both been to the Ark? How many people in the world were saved. Eight people. Can you name them all? There you go, okay. So no, you can't name them all, right? Because we don't know all their names, we just know their wives and Shem, Ham, and Japheth, right? His sons, Noah, and his sons. So the eight people, regardless of who they are, really almost doesn't matter. But there were eight people, and how were they saved? By water. Says it specifically, they're saved by water. That's weird, right? Because wasn't the very same water that they were saved by also the cause of the death of every other person and every other animal that wasn't on the ark? Right? But Peter didn't say that. He said, he didn't say the destruction of all the other souls was caused by water. He said the salvation of Noah and the rest were caused by water. What if God burned the whole world? Would an ark have saved them? No. Not built out of wood, right? <laughs> now, God could have saved them. Yes, I understand that. But I think God was, even in this huge cataclysmic event, showing that something 
amazing happened with the water. The transformation with the water. What happened to the earth with the water? Was it the same earth as when it was done before? Well, the same stuff, the same molecules, but it sure moved it all around, didn't it? It changed the whole face of the planet. That much water changed the entire face of the planet, and out of it came a righteous few. This is what's so interesting to think about, is that God has tied together the understanding of how he works through a hundred different ways. Water being one of them. And he said, he saved these people through water, through a great cataclysmic change that shook the earth at its foundations, changed, changed topography, ultimately changed the climate, lost the entire population except for eight people and a group of small animals floating around in a little chunk of wood. Right? And yet God built the entire earth as we know it, rebuilt it out of that experience. How is that like baptism? Well, in every way. Through some amazing changing event that changes when you go down in the water, okay? The experience of going down in the water is not about being in the water, okay? But understanding that you have a change that should change not only your life and save you, but change the entire face of how everything looks in your life. Because God has worked through you. Because when God comes into you, when you say, I want God in my life, he comes in and does the burn. Right? And it shows that he is there and he is burning inside of you and changing you and doing things. But the water also shows that there is great power moving in your life, doing things to change you and save you. And so Peter uses that and says, do you see the, the parallels of what God has done? God has done and used that opportunity in amazing ways. All right? Baptism and Noah's Ark, saving those few... And he says, it's not, baptism does not save you by putting away your filthy flesh. It doesn't wash away your sins. Well, if it doesn't wash away your sins, what does it do, right? Well, he says, but the answer of a good conscience towards God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so there's something that happens when you go down in the water. When you go down in the water, do you want to stay there? Not for long. What do you want to do? I want to come up. Even if you're like Natalia who likes to hold her breath underwater, it's not long before you say, 
I need air. Even if it's 30 seconds or 45 seconds, even if you could hold it for two minutes long, eventually you say, I gotta have air, I wanna be up, right? And so it is not the act of going down as much as the act of coming up or resurrecting out of the water. The resurrection brings the power. Now, I'm not saying when you go down in the water and you come back up that, bam, the water standing up makes you have God in your life. That's not what it is. It is a symbol. It is an outward symbol of something that is happening in you, that has begun in you, that has been in you for some time. There's not a time where Jesus says, you know what? When you first accept Christ, you have 32 days. Get it done. He doesn't say you have 32 years, or six months, or 57 years, or you have to do it within seven minutes, or a year doesn't count. Because it is a symbol, and when the time comes that you want to express to other people and say, God's doing something in me. He says, go and be baptized. Teach other people by what God is doing in you. God is burning in you, right? God is doing something amazing in you. So here he is, and, and Jesus himself, when Nicodemus, uh, when he talked to Nicodemus on the roof, he said, you need to be born of the water and of the Spirit, be born again. Be born of the water and of the Spirit. And he says, can I climb back into my mother's womb? Well, no, you're not going to climb back into your mother's womb, but there's something's going to change in you. Something transformational that will happen to change you. And it might distort you a little bit for a while, which is when babies are born, they're all squished up when they come out, right? And they look lifeless, except a few moments after, all of a sudden, you start to see life. I've watched every one of my children be born, and every one of them looked lifeless when they came out. I learned to not be frightened about it <laughs> after, like, number two or so, to say, what's going on? I've never seen this, right? To know that in those first few moments, that transformation is so... Uh, it's so taxing on that little baby to go from inside their mother's womb to out into the world. That whole process is taxing. And that process seems like they just come out and they just flop. But the doctors know what to do. Move things, shake things, clear things, pull things, do all the things they need to do. And all of a sudden... It's a baby, alive, life, all right? It's fascinating to see that, and it's fascinating to see someone understand God and come out of it and begin to have life, begin to grow, 
not because I tell them to, not because they think what I think, and that's not at all what I'm saying, but when God really gets a hold in their life and starts to change them, starts to burn, starts to, to ignite their passion for God, the Holy Ghost comes inside of them and they start to see things on their own through God's help. That's fascinating because then you say, look out because the world doesn't know what hit them. You don't know what God is going to do with you. You are made to do something. And you could say, well, I'm not very good at talking in front of people. God has made you to do something. Not that he won't stretch you, because he will. Or I'm not very good at doing this type of work. Or I'm not a good teacher. Or I'm not this or that. It doesn't matter. God has made you for what you are. He created you for a very purpose and he is waiting he wants to ignite fire in you and change you and that is what baptism symbolizes the resurrection and something new happening right after the fire it burns all up the green life comes in after the flood it wipes all the green trees out smashes them pulls the grass off and it's mud for a little bit and then life comes back more than ever it grows harder and pushes further and does more that life is what is really important is the new growth all right and when what is the new growth attached to to the resurrection right you come out of that water representing going up, changing, coming out of the old into the new. And so when we look at that, uh, we look at, where am I here? We look at Romans chapter number six. Back a few pages here. Romans chapter number six. Because I think this ties together nicely what this really means. Romans chapter 6. And Paul, Paul is always really fascinating in his depth of understanding. He has the ability to look at something in a bigger sense all right peter looked at that historical sense with the ark well here's the tie together of what does baptism do romans chapter number six i'll start in verse number four uh, and then we want to read four five and six therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Of sin might be destroyed. 
that hence come it, we should not serve sin. All right. This is what baptism is. We go down into death. Like Jesus died and was buried in the ground. And then immediately, three days after, okay, they're not going to hold us down under the water for three days because we wouldn't make it, right? But immediately he comes out of the grave in newness of life. And it says the Spirit, and we read this in another verse we read, the Spirit of God quickened him. So the Spirit brought life back to him. When we come back out of the water, it is showing who is our Lord. Who do we belong to? The greatest thing that ever happened to the human race was that God made himself of no reputation, gave up his great eternal throne on high to come down to die and be buried. But that's not the greatest part of the story. The greatest part is after he did that, he was raised up to new life and he reigns forevermore. So, being baptized is the understanding that you are representing Christ Jesus in what you do. My Lord died and went down and was resurrected, and I get to share that same thing. I'm going to die to these sins. Now, it doesn't wash the sin away in that moment. All right? That's not what it does, but it shows people that he is who you care about. You are there to teach others, right? That's what your great commission was, to teach and baptize, right? So here you are, going to go baptize, and while you baptize, you're teaching people. Because you're saying, my Lord Jesus Christ died and was resurrected, and because of that, because he walked in new life after he died, I can walk in new life after I died. Walk in newness of life, which is really, and this is what blows my mind as I begin to think about it, it is really the very next step to say, the newness of life is not done yet. When you stand up out of that water and you say, well, I'm, I'm walking in newness of life now, you are. And when God comes into your heart, what part of you changes? Immediately, what part of you changes? Your spirit, the deepest part of you changes. And it's a part that you're not that familiar with because it was dead. When God came in, it was dead, and God made it alive again. And he says, I'm going to work through this. And so you're like, what is this even? What is this? Why am I doing this? Right? And so our flesh, our body, our mind, our mouths, all the things fight the spirit. Right? We fight that spirit. 
Even though we're walking in newness of life, we fight that spirit. So in representing it as we're being baptized, we stand up and say, there it is. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I am resurrected just like he is. And then you go out and you mess up the next day. Maybe not even the next day. Might even not make it to the next day before you mess up again. So there's something still happening. And Paul says this in 1 Corinthians. Um, I will turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51. Paul says it, and I'll read this for you guys. Behold, I show you a mystery. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In, the mo in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible, or our bodies now, the bad parts of us and the things we struggle with, must put on incorruption. We have to have perfection. Right. And this mortal, or I'm, I'm here, this body's going to die, must put on immortality. To live forever, you have to be immortal. Right? So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? And the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. When you stand up, not only does it say my life is changing up and out of that thing, but it says I'm moving on in my life to a point like my Lord did, because what did it say? And we read this in a verse, and I didn't point it out back a few minutes ago. What happened after Jesus was raised from the dead? I think it was in 1 Peter. He had newness of life, and then where'd he go? To sit in heaven at the right hand of the Father. He took a place of importance in heaven. So we identify with him by going down with his death. And we identify with him of his resurrection by raising up. And that same resurrection is not complete for us until the final day. When he calls us to be home with him or we die. He calls us to be home, right? And we will be with him. But when he was resurrected, he had a spiritual body. He's the first to have it. Other people were raised from the dead with a physical body. He had a special spiritual body or an immortal body. We live in a mortal body. It will die. It will rot when we're dead. Uh, it might even rot while we're living. Okay? It's not, it's an amazing machine, but it does not last forever. 
Jesus was raised in his spiritual body, which was a body, an actual body, but not, not the exact, uh, not composed like ours is composed. Okay? And so we have the rest of that story to tell from our resurrection to say, you know what? I was raised and Jesus was raised into that spiritual body and he went to heaven and that's where I'm going. That's my next step. God's inside of me. He's burning with fire inside of me. He is changing me. He's bringing me newness of life. He is doing these things and he has claimed me and I will go to be with him. Just like Jesus went to be with his father, we will too go to be with the father. Right? So it means much more to us. Baptism is this complete circle of what the Christian life is. Right? From an experience with God to understanding our sins and going down and saying death is our only way to identifying with Christ and then to go up in resurrection, identify and say, hey, we're going to be new in this life, but then also know the next step is to be completely renewed with a new body, putting on an incorruptible body. No longer can it be corrupted. No longer can it be hurt and changed and rot and all the things that happen here on this earth. No more death. No more sin. We go to heaven and we have a whole new opportunity. That's what we're telling people about. Because everyone on this earth has that opportunity. And only those who believe will take advantage of that opportunity. It's simply a choice. It's all it is. It's to say, I will or I will not. Just like Noah and his ark. It was simply a choice. Only eight people in the whole world chose to do it whole rest of the world said, nah, I'll keep my other stuff. And it all got washed away. Right? So, that's the symbol of baptism. It is an important symbol because Christ said, do it. It is our job. It is one thing we need to do. Part of our ministry. And we teach other people and show other people what God is doing in our life what he did, what he's doing now, and what he will do in the future. And so that, that motion represents up to heaven. And that's why God opened the heavens when Jesus Christ came up out of the water. And he said, look, he's coming to be with me. So people understood his destination was at the right hand of the Father. And that the Spirit presided over all of it. So that's what baptism is about. Uh, in a more whole sense, it's very much a symbol of what God is doing, but it's the opportunity to show others. And so we make a service out of it. And it's coming up soon, right? We make a service out of it. Uh, we, we tell other people about what God's doing in my life. And it's not about me. It's about God in me. All right? Thank you very much.